the beginning of leaving poverty is beginning a relationship where someone can start to hear, hey, you know what? That you're worth it. You're worth my time. You don't have to be here. There's another way. Why don't you be my friend? I think some of the most powerful words that is a smack in the enemy's face is hi, my name is Cherie. It's the initiating of relationship. Welcome to the Ending Poverty Together podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Shalane. And we're here to discuss big questions about poverty in bite-sized ways. Today we're joined by Cherie White, a social impact developer who is the founder and CEO of Steadfast Developments. Cherie is passionate about building affordable housing developments in the downtown east side of Vancouver, a neighborhood known for poverty, open drug use, and prostitution. I am so eager to learn more about how the creation of these sustainable homes is not only addressing the issue of homelessness, but so much more. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to deepening my understanding of how she is using a wraparound strategy to create more change. So let's get started. Cherie, welcome to our podcast. Thanks so much. It's absolutely an honor and a thrill to be here today. Yes, I agree with Eric um, welcoming you, Cherie. I, I just know that you have listened to some of our podcasts. We appreciate you doing that. And so you are probably familiar with the question that we often start with. Would you please finish the sentence, poverty is... Yeah, that's a really uh, big question for sure and something that I have taken some time to contemplate and come up with an answer, especially living in a neighborhood like the downtown east side where you open your door and poverty is smack dab in your face. You can't walk to the store without noticing the state that so many of my neighbors and friends are in. And so I think that poverty is a mindset. And the reason is, is because Mm -hmm. the last couple of years actually have been incredibly challenging. And I asked myself while I'm walking through the streets of my neighborhood, like, why is it that they are homeless and they are stuck in poverty and yet I'm not? And so I think that there is so much to be said about what we receive into our minds, what we receive into our spirits. And I think that if you're told something enough that you are poor, you are worth nothing, Mm. you are nothing here except for to serve men, that's the only thing you're good for, and all sorts of horrible other negative things, and you don't hear the positive things, you start to believe these things. And so I think Mm. that eventually, like anybody in their right mind, if you hear these negative things enough, you start to believe them. And then you start Mm. to give up. And I see so many people giving up. And let me tell you, over these last couple of years, I felt like giving up. It's been tough Mm. to be really vulnerable Mm. and honest right off the top. And so I think the reason that I haven't been stuck in poverty is because I live in a beautiful community in the downtown east side. I share my home with another family and a couple of single people. And, you know, we've chosen to live a life that is countercultural. 
where we spend time together mm. and we encourage one another. And when we see each other do little things in the home, we're like, oh man, that cake looks amazing, Macy. Like, way to go on that cake. Mm. And it's those little things that help us shift and change our mindset. One of the very powerful scripture verses that God has given me lately is take your thoughts captive. Like that is such a powerful Mm. little message. Like it's such a little sentence, but has so much power to it. And I believe that the beginning of leaving poverty is beginning a relationship where someone can start to hear, hey, you know what? That you're worth it. You're worth my time. You don't have to be here. There's another way. Why don't you be my friend? I think some of the most powerful words that is a smack in the enemy's face is, Hi, my name is Cherie. It's the initiating of relationship. And so I think a a big reason people are stuck in generational poverty is because they believe that they are poor. And so our company is looking at all sorts of different creative ways to say, hey, you know what? We think that you aren't poor and we think that there is a better way. Why don't you join hands with us and walk with us in a journey out of poverty? Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. And we'd love to get to know you even more, Cherie. So I'm wondering if you could expand even on the point that you're making right now and share with us what exactly is a social impact developer? (laughs) Yeah. A social impact developer is someone that wants to not just make a profit off of the development, but wants to have a positive social impact in the community that they are creating affordable housing. So a difference between me and most developers is my mentor actually said to me, Sheree, I just want to build the building and I don't want to be known. Like I want to walk down the street and nobody know who I am. I've built my building, I've I've got my profit and I'm off to my next project. And uh, I Mm. absolutely love my mentor. I I can't say a bad thing uh, about him. We just come from different perspectives. And uh, social impact developers look at a holistic approach. We look at the community. One of the things that a developer has to do is when they come into a community is do a community contribution is what it's called. And I hear stories of my developer friends that are like, how can we get out of this? Like, why do we have to give money to the community? And I know of stories that they, they've been successful. They, they've gotten out of it. And that's not what a social impact uh, developer does. We actually come and say, how can we, first of all, impact the community? How can we uh, support financially what's already going on here that's really good? And how can we do creative community development so that the community becomes stronger? And so we focus on a specific neighborhood. We don't do any other projects really outside of the downtown east side because we want to revitalize. We want to impact the community in a, in a positive way. So that's kind of what we do. And building on that, we'd love you to tell us more about Steadfast Developments. And maybe even included in that, you can 
expand a little bit on your colossal vision that you have for the downtown east side? Yeah, Steadfast Developments was, we took off about a year ago, right before COVID. Hmm. COVID uh, allowed us the time to kind of go underground and put together the infrastructure for our company. So we leveraged, we made lemonade out of lemons. And, um, (laughs) And in that time, it actually just started with an opportunity and it was a nonprofit in the neighborhood that I heard because we have been here for 17 years and we've raised our family here, we've made some really great connections. And so we heard that there was a nonprofit that wanted to sell their piece of land for a ridiculous amount of, of money. And I got super interested and I started investigating. And so I looked at this piece of parcel of land in the downtown east side, and there was one other piece of land to the left of it and two parcels to the right. And I thought to myself, well, if I just buy the middle piece, then that's not going to do much. What if I bought the one to the left of it? So I started doing investigating. And then I'm like, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. So that means I'm going to build something with only two pieces of land, and I got these other two on the other side. What if, and that's such a powerful question, (laughs) what if Steadfast was able to get the other two pieces under contract and we do a Mm. whole mass assembly of a four parcel mass assembly and we start to build commercial on the bottom, which is our model now, to, to do commercial on the bottom, to include a daycare in 150 affordable units for families. And then we put a community kitchen in there and we have uh, rooftop gardens and place for an indoor play area for kids to play. Uh, what if we do that? And so uh, hmm. I started to inquire on that. And then in this... I'm, I mean, I, I really am in a, to the prophetic. I absolutely love, I think, so important to hear from God. And so in this process, as I started my morning with prayer and meditation and scripture, I, I heard God saying, dream bigger. And I'm like, what? Mm. <laughs> I think I'm dreaming pretty big here, God. <laughs> and he's bigger like... Bigger than four parcels of land? <laughs> yeah, four parcels of land? Yeah. Like... Come on, that's a pretty big vision, God. Like, I'll receive that vision. And uh, every day I heard him say, dream bigger. And so I'm like, okay. And so then I realized that one of those pieces of parcels of land is owned by Vancouver Coastal Health. And we want a medical center in our development and then I, he, I feel like God directed me to another parcel of land that Vancouver Coastal Health owns in the downtown east side. And it's been, it's a, a building that's been abandoned for years. But the history of it, which is really interesting, is it used to be a Salvation Army hall. And I was born into the Salvation Army. And this is how I got into the downtown east side was I uh, joined a community called 614 that was incarnational and lived amongst their, the people and loved their neighbors. And so I had actually mm. prayed over that building many, many years before and had asked God to use it for affordable wow. housing. And so he directed me to mm. this building. And then I started to think, okay, well, maybe we, if we get that under contract, 
what if we, you know, take this one and this one and this one? And so then we had our second sight. And then God says, dream bigger. This is just dream bigger. <laughs> and I'm like, God, I think I'm portraying him pretty big here. And basically, uh, properties have kept coming to my attention, if you will, that are not on the market. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I should buy on the MLS because there's so many competition and the market's changing so that there's, uh, you know, it's just a lot more difficult. And I just believe these are God-inspired places where he takes my attention mm-hmm. and says, hey, Sheree, what about this piece? And I'm like, I'm on a God now. <laughs> like, now now I get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I have created a very large revitalization uh, physical vision for the downtown east side that includes several several properties. And so I feel like the vision that God's given me is a bird's eye eagle vision of the downtown east side of, hey, Shri, this is what mm. it could look like. If, you know, I mean, you have the mm. right team, if we can get the right finances and, and everything that I, I, I feel like he led me to this place. And it's so, so exciting to see it all unfold and start to see those properties get under contract. So on Friday, uh, the first project I was talking about, we've named it the Gatterian, which means coming together. And uh, on Friday, we got 50, we have now 50% under contract. And so it won't be long now to get the other two. And it's like this slow little wheel that's like inching, inching forward and gaining traction and then just like i think it, it'll just take off so it's exciting to see the people come on board the investors come on board the staff come on board and one of the things that i absolutely love about food for the uh, what you guys are doing and this is what i saw and this is what mm-hmm. i got excited about is that you are bringing the creative poverty people that want to see an end to poverty, you're bringing them together. And you're right, I have listened to several. Mm -hmm. And the reason I listened to them is like, oh, I should reach out to her. I should reach out to Mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. And I have. I've reached out to two of your guests to say, hey, this is what we're doing. Come on, let's let's do it together. Let's unify and let's do it together. And so I'm excited what you're doing because I feel like there's a parallel in what Steadfast Developments is trying to do in the downtown east side, which is mm. reach out to all the big players that are doing really great things, but they kind of have their own agendas and they're super, super siloed. And so I've actually mm. have a position in our business that their their job is to reach out to all the community players and say hey guys mm. we got a vision join hands let's go and um that's super super exciting so that's the vision yeah and that's so connects i love how you've connected with the heart that we have for collaboration and yeah. for working together and for not doing the siloed kind of involvement, but actually just taking advantage of what's already happening and the coming together piece to see what God is going to do in a bigger scale. So yeah, that's very exciting. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Cherie, in the midst of that, a question that was just rattling around my head as you were talking was, how did you end up building your business model this way? Like this seems to be a very unique kind of, I mean, you talked a bit about it when you were talking about social 
the social impact developing kind of mindset, but this doesn't seem like what someone would traditionally expect when it comes to development. So what drew you to it in the first place? I think that it's just being a resident in the downtown east side. And I started off in trying to love my neighbor. I think that's where it's rooted in. So in my work with the Salvation Army, when we first moved down here, praying with people in the alleys, I remember this this time where I, I was singing Jesus Loves Me to a friend of mine that was struggling with crack. Uh, and I remember behind a dumpster uh, singing Jesus Loves Me over her. And mm. I, I think that it's the, the, the Salvation Army piece of loving your neighbor first before anything else is where this comes from. But I also believe that God's given me a creative mind. I have a degree in, in art and um, an entrepreneurial mind, which I've only discovered I have uh, within the last five years. And so it's the mm. entrepreneurial mindset that asks the questions, how do we, here, what's, we address the problem and then we come up with a solution. And so looking at our neighborhood, the question is, is how did we get here? And how is it that people are so stuck in poverty? Why is it that the downtown east side in Vancouver, Canada exists? I mean, it's crazy in such a wealthy country that such a neighborhood exists. And I think that it's the, the entrepreneurial mindset of addressing the problem and coming up with solutions and that asking that big question, what if we tried this? So the business model around a social impact um, investor comes from two sources, I think, is the, uh, the Salvation Army piece of justice and mercy, which are best friends. You can't have one without the other. And I think that Steadfast mm -hmm. has both of those. And the entrepreneurial mindset of what if we tried this? This is, this is the problem. Okay, we need wraparound support housing. Right. Uh, this is the problem. Not enough jobs. Let's try social enterprise. Uh, this is the problem. Gentrification. People are scared of developers. What if we do a community model instead? And so we keep attacking these questions and these solutions. And so then out of all these little questions, I think you come up with a big business model. I think also, like I said, I live in the downtown east side and I share my home with other people and one of the things I love about living in a community house is I hate cooking. And so I only have to cook <laughs> once a week. And even that I dread. I, my roommates will tell you <laughs> that Sheree always tries to get out of her cooking night um, and pass it on to someone else, which is actually a skill I have. <laughs> so, uh, but one of the things I, I love of is that after a full day, if it's been a hard day or a good day, I come home and I smell the food being cooked mm -hmm. and I hear the kids playing and it's just so beautiful. And what I realized is I want that business model actually is a larger an extension of how I live in my house. So for example, the social enterprise side of things, and we have uh, are hiring a social enterprise 
business startup manager. And what we're doing is we're taking all our new startup uh, projects and they're all sharing an accountant. They're all sharing a marketer. They're mm. all sharing a coach. And what I realized is this economy of scale. And what I realized when I was describing this to someone one day, I'm like, oh my goodness, is exactly what I do in my home. We don't all buy our own butters. We don't all buy our own meat. Like we all share that together. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm doing exactly the same thing in business that I'm actually living out daily in my home. And I didn't even realize it. And it just makes more sense. Why Mm. would startup companies, you know, pay for all those services when they can share those services and uh, support one another in a startup business? So um, that's uh, why I think I have the business model that I do. Yeah. There's probably 15 different questions I want to ask you uh, from just what you said right there. But let me just focus in on one thing. You you mentioned the wraparound strategy for change. That intrigues us. Can you tell us a little bit more? What does that actually mean? Yeah. So from a, a wraparound strategy is a buzzword that's used often in social housing. And so mm-hmm. what that looks like right now is if you were someone, a single person living in the downtown east side in affordable housing, you would have someone that would, uh, a nurse that would come in or a psych nurse that would come in. They, you would have a social worker that would come in and you'd have, uh, you'd have also have someone at the front desk, uh, a front desk person and all these social supports they call, uh, especially BC Housing talks a lot about it, is a wraparound support for people that are, have a lot of mental challenges or are struggling. So there's these supports that are freely accessed to you. And I think it's an absolute great start. But I think that what Steadfast wants to do is actually pilot an idea of live-in wraparound support. So there are friends of mine that are super excited about coming to live in the buildings that uh, I'm building, friends from outside, not to say outside the neighborhood, lots of people that are inside the neighborhood, psych nurses, uh, social workers, pastors. They're like, hey, and let's live together I'll be on the fourth floor. And, you know, if John needs, uh, you know, John, I want to talk about community pods is is a strategy to end poverty. So if John's in my community pod, I'll drop by John's door and knock on it and say, hey, John, how are you doing today? Do you need, why don't we walk Mm. together to your job this morning? Why don't we, do you, did you get that opportunity to pick up those groceries last night? It's it's this idea of living together and supporting one another. And it is a give and take. That's a huge learning curve for me. Because when I first came to live in the downtown east side, I was just here to change the world. I mean, <laughs> come on. I, I had Jesus and I was going to change the world. And uh, then I, what I realized when I made my first relationship with someone that was stuck in addictions and the learning curve and the, what she offered me was way mm. more than anything that I could offer her. And so it's this give and take of uh, community that is a wraparound, steadfast model uh, of a wraparound support. It's getting to know your neighbor really well, their dog, 
parents' name, their family's last name, their, mm. their, their birthday, their anniversary, and just being a part of their life and letting them have the humility to let them be a part of your life. And to me, that's mm. a kingdom model of wraparound support. Mm. Now, there's a term that I know you haven't used it yet today, but it's kind of caught up in this whole conversation. And I'm wondering if you could define it and then tell us why it's important. And that term is the triple bottom line. (laughs) Yeah, people planet profit. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) The triple bottom line. Yeah, uh, developers and lots of capitalistic business owners is you'll hear it's all about the bottom line. It's all about that margin of money that you make, that you take home, because really that's the definition of success. And uh, Steadfast Mm -hmm. Development is a social justice uh, land developer. We want to talk about a triple bottom line. So we want to, like I just said, people, planet, profit. So first of all, our, our measure of success is how big of an impact have we made on people. And that's difficult to, to measure, but there are actually data uh, out there that people are saying we can measure that, which is fascinating to me. So that's number one. And then number two is planet. So uh, Steadfast Development is not just concerned about uh, people, but we want to make sure that we are environmentally friendly in our affordability in affordable housing builds. So one of the things I'm actually super passionate about is something called mass timber. And so it's the latest technology in construction. And what it is, it's wood. It's going back to the basics and using wood. Uh, It is faster, stronger, and cheaper than concrete. And it doesn't give off the emissions and the waste. So as you probably know, construction is so known for being horrible to the environment with the amount that we pour into our landfills. And because it is computer generated, the cuts are down to the millimeter. And so you can build a 10 story building and the waste will fit into a dumpster, like a regular dumpster. And that is fascinating to me. And so we are being, uh, yeah, really kind to the environment uh, by using mass timber. And it actually is only a little bit more expensive up front. But long term, it actually is cheaper for the, the renter because they don't have these massive heating bills or cooling bills. Uh, the, they have no vac, um, HVAC system. And so that is all interesting. Like, what do you mean? How do you have a dryer? Like, we have hose like uh backless <laughs> we have dryers that are uh don't have uh, a vent right and you're like how does that work right and so i'm fascinated by the technology that's coming into uh development so that we can be more kind to this planet that god's given us it's mm-hmm. it's a stewardship thing for me for sure just to jump in just a little bit of a sidebar is that what's considered a passive build yes doesn't draw from the environment in the same way? Okay, great. Yeah, passive home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's our goal is all of our builds will be passive. And so we'll hire a passive home, a passive home consultant. And I'm actually part of a group called Passive Home Happy Hour that happens that once a week. And uh, people from around the world (laughs) join on a Zoom call. And we, we learn and educate one another around passive homes. So that's super cool. And finally, we want to make profit. Darn it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've worked hard. I yeah. want to see a profit. <laughs> I want to see. Sure. I want to be able to uh, use my profit to not always have a handout. And that was the thing that we had to make a decision between mm. being a nonprofit and a for-profit. Actually, I've learned that you actually have to be a nonprofit if you want to move in this direction. It's just too early thinking to be social impact. You have to be a nonprofit in order to receive a lot of funds to build. So, But we did decide to be a for-profit because we wanted to model that it's okay to make a profit. And that was a mindset change for me. Um, in this journey. And so for social um, enterprises, uh, people down here, we just want to say it's okay to work hard, get a profit and take it home and take care of your family. Hmm. Well, to our listeners, I'd say, what questions do you have? As we've been having this conversation with Cherie today, we would encourage you to email us at podcast at fhcanada.org because we'd love to hear from you and to continue the conversation. Cherie, one of my favorite questions to ask all our guests, because I feel like I have the opportunity to pick the brains of all of these high-powered people, uh, but what are some of the books or resources that you would recommend to us and to our listeners? Absolutely. It's been a journey of education for myself. Uh, one of the first questions is, is, where has there been a successful revitalization project in this world? And that started me on a journey of education and research. I'm actually not a reader. And I was actually a little bit concerned uh, after listening to other guests of these, these very theological, uh, intelligent guests that you've had. I was like, shoot, like, I don't have a lot of books because I have dyslexia. And so I know that reading is important, but it's a discipline for me. It's not a joy. And my husband is a huge nerd, and he just reads like 10 books a day. <laughs> and I, I look at that, and I, I'm a little bit jealous. I, I'm like, man, I wish I could love reading like he loves reading. It's like breathing for him. And for me, it's like like choking. <laughs> so, the, mm. But there is a book I am reading right now. It's called Ending Poverty. It's by Jeffrey Sachs. And uh, it's a gruel. It's it's a hard thing, but I'm loving it because I'm able to ask those entrepreneurial questions. If he can end poverty and change economics over in Russia, how can we adapt those principles into the downtown east side? So it's good for me to to be reading. But I love that you ask books and resources because resources is another wonderful way of education. So I have watched several YouTube videos. I have. Oh, listen to many webinars. And so two people I want to bring up right now, and I actually have a spreadsheet of 15 different people that have done successful revitalization projects around the world that are developers and housing providers. And so I've learned a lot about their stories. And those have been hugely impactful uh, for me. Two of my heroes I just quickly want to mention is number one is Majora mm -hmm. Carter. Oh my goodness, she was uh, brought to my attention by a coach and she's a black woman from the Bronx and her story is phenomenal. First of all, that she's a black woman that has led a successful revitalization project and she's completely through environmental, through people, like it's a people, planet, profit model and so she's one of my biggest, I'm one of her biggest uh, fans. The other person that I absolutely loved his story was uh, James Rouse. 
James Rouse was a developer in the 60s, and he got a hold of a piece of land, and he decided to call his development Columbia. And so there's this great one-hour biography of James Rose, and there's this 30-second clip that has completely changed or impacted my idea. And it's this 30-second clip of this black woman in that says, because of James Rose, and his idea was that 50% of his land in his development was going to go to white people and 50% was going to go to black people. And it's this black woman that she's in her mid-40s and she says, because of what James Rose did and promised black families land ownership, we are no longer in poverty and generational poverty has ended. And I was like, whoa. Like, I, I watched that clip about 10 times. Like, I just kept on. And I'm like, wait a minute. What if we had a rent-to-own program that allowed people mm-hmm. that are stuck in poverty to own land and not get kicked out by landowners, you know, and not become renters, but actually own land? What does that look like? And darn it, Hmm. if there's, you know, in 20 or 30 years from now, on a biography, I want to be James Rose. I want to be known for the woman Hmm. that has changed generational poverty. And that would be okay. I I could go into the gates of heaven. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with with that uh, that title in, in tow, and I mean that's not my my design. That's not my main goal. But what do we do? How do we make that happen? And so now I'm having all sorts of fascinating conversations with other social impact developers in how do we make that happen? I just had the conversation last week with a social impact developer, and they came out coined this term passive philanthropy and i'm like whoa what's that look like Mm. and uh so i'm i'm super excited to uh address that problem and come up with solution i don't think we're going to come up with that solution today but if there's you know any of the listeners have got some ideas on how do you allow people not allow because that sounds like so colonial like we're in charge sort of thing but how do we give people opportunity that are stuck in poverty uh, to actually own land and stop generational poverty. I mean, if we can do that, come mm. on. Mm. <laughs> That's fantastic. So I'm excited. I can imagine our listeners are excited. How can people get involved with Steadfast Developments? Oh, yeah. I mean, come join the journey. Uh, and it's going to be a journey. <laughs> Blood, sweat, and tears, baby. I mean, it is not old roses. And so I have a website, uh, steadfastdevelopments.com. I've decided after a year of having this website, I need to shorten it to SD. It's, it's just too long. So steadfastdevelopments.com, you can see what our mission, our vision, uh, what we're trying to do on there. And um, my email is Cherie at steadfastdevelopments.com. So it's even longer. And then always give me a call. That's always a, a good way to, I'm always open to a phone call if you want to talk about ending poverty, the downtown east side, mm. and uh, how you can just be a part and say, hey, you know what? I'm raising my hand. I'm saying I'm going to support 
steadfast developments. I want to be super clear. Some people, when I ask them for support, they think I'm asking financially. And that's, that's not it at all. I just want people to be aware that they can just raise a hand and say, this is what we need to do. And they can come and they can be a part and uh, be involved and just watch and say yes and amen to a colossal, crazy vision. Well, Sheree, I, you know, I am leaving today with a sense of gratitude for just the passion with which you talk about your your vision. It's so encouraging to know that a project like this exists. But what really stood out to me within that passion is that it's rooted in your experience of really living in the community, that this is not you parachuting in as an outsider and saying, here's how things can change. I'm, I've got a plan. You should all follow me. But you have that you know, lived experience of being in this community. You know people, you know their names. Uh, that just really stood out to me as a, a, such an important for lack of a better word, a, a humble place to begin this this work and this work that is on such a large scale. But I just love how it starts on that really personal, relational level for you. So thank you so much for sharing your passion with us today. It's been a great opportunity. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm just wondering, Sheree, as we wind up, is there anything else that you were hoping to share with us and with our listeners that we haven't touched on today? I don't think so. I think we did a great job of People, Planet, Profit and uh, covering ideas. And um, yeah, I mean, people, I, I immediately say, you know, don't worry about, about finances. But there are people out there that want that are social impact investors. And if this is something, you know, that, you know, God's calling you to, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> we all have a part to play. <laughs> and there are some, I know that there are some people that, want to invest in a project like this. So feel free to reach out to me. We are, we're open to, yeah, we can't do it without those, those things. We need uh, support of council. We need support of community. We need to support uh, financially and we can't do it without putting all those things together and we need a community. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think we did a pretty good job. So if there's someone out there that feels called, mm-hmm. we'll have a chat and, and figure that out. Mm-hmm. I am going to make a note, invite Cherie back in a year yes! or two years to get an update uh-huh. because there's there's some big things happening. And I yeah, we can't wait to hear how, how this moves forward for you. So excited uh, to come back yeah. and say, hey, John got a home. The guy that sits outside my front door got a home. He's living and he's a part of a mm. pod and he's got a job and... He's, uh, his life has been radically transformed. Yes. I can't wait to report yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> we can't wait to hear that because, you know, you mentioned earlier in our interview about the alignment between Food for the Hungry and Steadfast mm. Developments. And I think the, the piece that just strikes me over and over again as you talk is the holistic part, I guess maybe two pieces, the holistic part. Uh, approach that you mm-hmm. have, and then the mutual transformation, the understanding that as we walk with people, we are all changed. Yes. And that that's that humble posture that we need to take. So yeah. thank you so much. This has just been a joy to get to know you and uh, just a lot of fun to be part of your, your excitement and your vision. Thanks so much. 
to explore what your next steps could be, or find out more about Steadfast Developments and what other Canadians are doing about poverty, start by checking out fhcanada.org resources.